Welcome to Jack Theology. Uh, I'm Dr. Matt Murphy. I'm joined by my friend, Dr. Kevin Young. Welcome. Good to see you again, Matt. Good to be here. Took a little Thanksgiving break. And uh, how was your Thanksgiving, man? Yeah, Thanksgiving was good. Spent it, uh, <laughs> spent most of it in travel. Um, planes, trains, and automobiles felt a little like Thanksgiving. Um, flew to Birmingham to be with my wife and family and the in-laws. Um, the night before Thanksgiving and then flew out Thanksgiving right after dinner um, to come wow. back. So it was it was crazy, but it was fun. I, I made it. And wow, there were a lot of people traveling on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I've done that, done that a few times. It's not, it's not the most fun, but at least you get to see family, right? So it's good. Um, we stayed in. We stayed home this year and had dinner with uh, friends here in town at our church. I smoked a turkey for the first time. That came out pretty good. Yeah, how was it? Uh, yeah, very juicy. I think that might be the future of my turkeys. Uh, very simple. Takes longer to bake uh, to smoke it than bake it, of course, but it was enjoyable. Um, I feel like that's fully, a, I feel like that's a very manly thing to do to smoke your turkey. Not effeminate. I was not effeminate. <laughs> uh, Dale Partridge would be very impressed with you. <laughs> um, and yeah, well, it's, a, I think it's a crowd pleaser because just, I guess the way the bird is, the deeper in you get, the less smoky flavor there is. So for those that don't like the smoky f- taste, uh, it, it, you, you have, you have part of the bird that you can eat as well. So it was, a, it was enjoyable. I have some kids that they don't like the smoked taste, but, um, before we dive in, I should, I should say, we don't say this enough, but. I think we have enough people that follow us and watch us now. If you would like to continue to follow us and watch uh, and listen, uh, subscribe, like, do all those things that help our algorithm get the word out, we would appreciate it. Uh, review it. Uh, I know people have reviewed it with me. Uh, and so I, I think if you could get the word out, that'd be great. That'd help us uh, and help what we're doing or trying to do as we slowly build the plane as we go. I love building the plane as we go. So that's what we're going to do. But you, you made something and we want to talk, I want to talk today about uh, mental health, but kind of to lead in to it, you made kind of a fun tongue in cheek post about Thanksgiving, which I thought was brilliant um, on Twitter about just family, family issues. It brought up a lot of like, it, I think, it took off because it, it stirred a lot of emotion in people because Thanksgiving is, a, is one of those holidays where you're around family and, and a lot of trauma is probably revisited uh, when you're around family. Um, so you said that was a sermon, uh, that post? that you Yeah, just it was kinda... essentially my sermon outline from right before Thanksgiving. Um, just, uh, yeah, just thinking, what do <laughs> I, I was thinking about going to see a family and how at Thanksgiving, like you, a lot of people don't want to be around family. And so I thought, you know, Jesus had kind of a contentious relationship with his family as well for some years. And once I started thinking about it, I was like, actually, there might be, there might be some life lessons here from how Jesus, Jesus handled people. Yeah. Uh, so you, you, some of the, some of the points were like Jesus, uh, you know, avoided his family. He like went away to pray. Uh, he, he, he asked, who is my mother and father? Uh, if you want to follow me, you have to leave your mother and father. Uh, we know, you know, I don't know if this is one of your points, but, you know, Jesus wasn't welcomed in his hometown for a lot of years. Uh, you know, he was uh, probably looked down upon by his his family. Yeah, that wasn't, a, that wasn't one of the points, but I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, I, I think um, our family – our families can bring us a lot of trauma, whether or not they mean to or not. Um, you know, I, I, you want to be charitable. I mean, sometimes I think some of our family members intentionally want to hurt us, but I think in general, like it just kind of, because we're so different, um, it, it brings up a lot of different issues, um, that come to the forefront and in holidays like Thanksgiving, where we get together, those issues can be acute and bring up lots of bad memories. Um, and so one of the reasons why I stayed home this Thanksgiving is cause I just didn't want to deal with all that, um, this year. So, yeah. Yeah. My mom, she, uh, 
after that sermon, she sent me a text and she said, were you talking about me? <laughs> no, I wasn't talking about you, which, uh, which I wasn't, but I, I think, you know, it is, it is relatable the the family issues. And a lot of times I, I think we don't, we, we don't, we, we don't get set good boundaries, but we also don't, we aren't good at communicating when, when, when we're harmed or, or when we're hurt, we just take it. And a lot of times I think families tend to just continue in their broken family systems and continue to wound each other. And a lot of times those, <laughs> they don't know they're, they're wounding other people with what they're doing and, and what they're saying. Maybe they should know. I, I'm not letting them off the hook, but, um, you know, you, it's hard to break out of the system you were raised in. Yeah. <clears throat> I heard a guy once say, um, your, your parents did the best they could with the tools that they have. And I, I like that. Um, because it, because it, because you and I, his parents are still around and we have a, a public thing, a public face. And so sometimes when we talk about these things, I get that too. Were you talking about me? Are you, did you really mean that? <laughs> you know, and mom, if you're listening, dad, if you're listening, I know you did the best you could, but yeah, but yeah well, all, I, all... I think no, that's a great line though. I, that was one of the lines that, uh, through my, my journey in therapy was really important was, you know, kind of this realization, this recognition that, um, they did the best they could, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. and sometimes, sometimes that's not enough. You know, I, I know that there are things that are, you, you can't just write off. They did, you know, dad did the best he could. Mom did the best he could, you know, grandma did the best they could. But for a lot of things, I think there's a need for, or at least for me, there was a need to be able to say, you know what, I, I've really got to let go of, of some things, um, they did the best they yeah. could. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't as though they were intentionally trying, <laughs> you know, to to cause those issues. I see in a lot of families, you know, it's not a lot of parents aren't intentionally trying to do that. Again, not let them off the hook. But at some point or other, it becomes about me and my mental health. And I've got to just say, OK, they weren't intentionally trying, you know, to hurt me or to hurt us. And they were doing the best they could. Yeah. I mean, we're all human, right? And we all have shortcomings and failings. And I'm sure my kids will sit in a therapy chair one day and hopefully they will get to the point where they can say, Kevin did the best he could. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, my kids are going to have to process the, the trauma that I've caused them. So uh, we are all on this journey together. And I think, yeah, so mental health, it's one of those things we hear a lot about, like the stigma of mental health. And I think especially like, in the church um, and even our church families can cause issues of mental health and trauma um, and I think w why is uh, the number the number one reason I think churches cause issues is because we think well if we just uh, you know we just want to give people a Bible verse and then it'll all be fixed um, to me that's akin to like you know somebody like blows their knee out or has cancer and we just give them a bible verse and they're going to fix that issue right like if you blow your knee out or you have cancer you're going to like what go to the doctor you're going to get diagnosed and you're going to have surgeries and you're going to attempt to get it fixed and I, I don't know why in the church i mean i guess there's some tribes in the church that would just stick with the bible verse and prayer and not send you to the doctor but I don't, by and large, I don't know why the church like does that for one side of our health, but not for, you know, the mental side of our health. Um, yeah, I'm not sure why either, but there really is this a stigma that I see in a lot of sectors of the church of, of being really anti-psychology, anti-therapy, um, anti-any mental health care whatsoever, and... Um, not not only is it um, something that I don't see in scripture, it's also dangerous, uh, you know, to to pretend as though all issues can be solved through a Bible verse and a prayer. Um, not even all issues in, in scripture were solved that way. Uh, it just it, it doesn't it doesn't add up and it's not healthy and it's dangerous. Yeah, I um, I used to be like that, and I used to think, well, Jesus can can solve all things. And I think there is an element that you know your spiritual health can can definitely help and aid in that process, just like in 
in physical healing and that certain, you know, certainly helps. Um, I believe God can heal and those sorts of things. Uh, but so I remember one time, so I was preaching about, um, uh, one of my points in my sermon, it led to naturally mental health issues. And, and I, I was, you know, being an eight, I was pretty strong in, in how I preached. Like, you know, you, you, you only need Jesus, you know, to help your mental health. And, and someone, thank God, I was probably another eight, um, confronted me after the service about it and chat really challenged, challenged me in, in my views on that and told me, you know, parts of their story. And, I, I was convicted. They, 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 God used them to convict me about it. Um, and I realized like, man, I, I missed the boat on this and, uh, and began to explore more about psychology, mental health, you know, therapy, uh, those sorts of things. Um, so I, I think it's very real. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, you know, as we're, our, our podcast is called Jack theology. I think the Jack theology of this is like when, when we as a church say we don't need a therapist, um, we don't need a counselor. Uh, we don't need help for our mental health. Uh, I think is is a failure by the church and uh, and pastors. So, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I've been I've been in therapy on and off uh, for years, you know, and and over the years, it's been different. It's been different things that have that have driven me to therapy. Uh, one of them was, and maybe we'll talk about this. One of them was a suicide of somebody who was who was close to me. Um, sent me into therapy. One of them was a, a job situation, actually two job situations, sent me um, into therapy. Parenting now is <laughs> sent me into therapy. Uh, my parents, you know, marriage falling apart. Um, that's it, you know, so I've been on and off into therapy uh, for years with multiple therapists. And um, I have to admit, I don't, I, I say this softly, not as a hard rule, even if it comes across this way, I don't really trust a pastor, a spiritual leader who isn't engaged in therapy at some point in some level in, in their journey. Uh, I, I just, mental health is, is so important and, and pastors and spiritual leaders go through so much crap. Um, I, I think it is not only wise, I, I think it's, necessary for somebody who is leading and influencing others to ensure that their mental stability and their mental health is, is where it should be. Yeah. I, multiple I totally ways agree. to solve that. Obviously, you know, Bible study conversations, journaling, there, there are lots of things that help mental health, but there are also some things that spiritual guides cannot fix or address fully, completely, um, like mental health professionals can. Yeah, I, I agree totally. And there is a stigma like pastors shouldn't need uh, a therapist. You know, I've seen, I've heard that when I talk about times I've seen a counselor and the need for that. And, you know, people are like, whoa, a pastor? A pastor needs that. Um, <laughs> That's why I think I, it makes me more of a man. I think it makes yeah. me more courageous to admit uh, I can't do it alone. I, I mean, isn't that the story of the church? You, you know, you're not an individual. You are a community. You are not an island. You are part of a a family. You, uh, the body. <laughs> New Testament talks about the body has different parts and has different functions. You, you know, that that is... The, the implication of that is that we need each other. And to think as a pastor, as a spiritual leader, or as a man, or, or whatever, that I can go it alone and I can fix and address all of my problems, all my issues alone, I can just man up or woman up and, and do it is, um, I think is counter to the teachings of scripture. Agreed. Uh, and, and if you're in a profession, so Peter Drucker, uh, he's a, he was a, a leadership, business leadership, a, organizational leadership guru. Um, and he, he said that uh, the, the hardest jobs in, in America were, were a teacher, pastor, and um, a healthcare worker. And what a, to me, what do those all three have in common is they work with people. <laughs> and if you're working with people, there's so much stuff that comes up that you've got to process and deal with. So if you're like in a, in a workplace where you work with a lot of people, 
you probably know that you've been burned, you've been hurt, you've been backstabbed, you've been things have been said about you that have hurt you, and you've got to process that. You've got to work through that because you're going to start to question your identity. You're going to start to question a lot of things. You're going to go into depression. Um, and so a Bible verse isn't just going to fix that. Uh, and I think processing with a professional who's trained on that can give you tools and resources to help you through those things is, is so needed. So needed. Yeah. Well, this is, this is what they do. Um, you know, you, you wouldn't go to your electrician for plumbing advice. You know, you wouldn't go to your pastor for a rewiring of your house. Um, pastors are not trained or equipped to give deep professional mental health care advice. Um, at most pastors, even with masters or doctorates, take one or two classes in, in pastoral counseling, which is usually related to marriages and, and grief at best. Uh, so unless they are, unless they have spent years doing this, they, they don't have, I don't have the tool set to fix trauma. I don't have the tool set, you, you know, if you are in a car accident and, and mess up your neck, I don't, I'm not a chiropractor. I, I don't have the tool set to fix the trauma to your neck. Mental illness, mental issues, difficulties are trauma. And, and pastors don't have the skill set, aren't trained to deal with that trauma. But pastors deal in trauma every day with people with trauma. Uh, that's that's our role, and, and we we end up carrying the trauma of other people. So I, I think we have to realize, as as pastors or as spiritual leaders, that we both don't have the tool set to fully help everybody through their trauma, but we also take on trauma from every interaction and every individual that we deal with, and so we we are wounded walking as well. And so we need, we need help as, as much as the people we're trying to help. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> I mean, I found that in my, my own ministry is I tend to take on the trauma of others. I feel their pain. It, it is a, you know, they, they talk about, you know, firefighters and, you know, police, you know, they go upon a scene where there's a lot of like physical trauma and they have to deal with that trauma. And, we, we see some of that at times. We get invited into those situations as pastors, but also the emotional trauma, the, you know, the physical, you know, other, other issues that people are just dealing with. I mean, most acute, I mean, if a pastor isn't dealing and processing with what just happened in our world with the pandemic, all the trauma that we put on our shoulders uh, from people we were pastoring, um, then, then you're, you're missing it. Like we all collectively went through a big deal and are still in some ways going through it. Um, you have, you have to deal with it. And, and, and so uh, what, what are your thoughts on? So a lot of, a lot of people are like, okay, well we could do some counseling, but only biblical counseling. Right. And the, the whole debate versus biblical counseling versus like a, a, a true psychologist, uh, ther- you know, therapist. Um, there, there's a big debate about that out there. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, um, first of all, I, <laughs> I, I think that there are, there, there are issues that the Bible was not written to address. Um, it, you know, you, you got a problem with your car. You're not going to be able to turn to the book of Jude and figure out how to fix your car. Uh, that's not the point. So I think maybe understanding the point of the Bible is, uh, is the first step. For me, I was raised to believe that the Bible was the answer book. Any problem in life could be solved by the Bible. I understand the heart and the reason behind saying that, but I think it's not only not the full story, I also think it's a counterproductive and dangerous line of reasoning because it makes it makes the Bible about us rather than being about God. It makes the Bible the story of me rather than being a revelation of the story of God. And so when we talk about biblical counseling, I think um, 
are there ways in which the Bible can weigh in and, and help be helpful in therapy and in counseling? I, I certainly think yes, absolutely. But I think that there are limits to that because that's not, that's not why the Bible was written. And it's, um, it's important to me that we understand, I, I think, the limits of, of, of how far the Bible can go and how far the Bible can help on these things, you know. And I think it's a categorization error in that uh, a lot of people who think that the Bible can counsel and can work through any issue believe that um, all of these mental illness categories that, that we understand and see can, are, are because of sin. And, and I think that, um, to me, that just, that just doesn't add up. Science has told us now that, that there are a lot of things that go on in the brain and the body, chemical imbalances, things that are completely and utterly outside of the control of us to decide to be better. Uh, and so I, I think that there has to be this, this understanding that, that sin is not necessarily driving or spiritual issues or not necessarily driving all of the reasons why somebody would seek therapy or, or would seek counseling. So I, I think that there are some issues where biblical counseling would be helpful and, and would perhaps be productive in. Um, but I, I think that when we get to the categories of, of mental illness and, and trauma and those things, it's, it's highly unlikely that biblical counseling is going to help. And I might say, even if it does, you're, you're looking at maybe years and years and years in biblical counseling versus weeks or months in professional therapy. And so I, I think that you're looking at differences in timelines, differences in outcomes, and uh, differences in, in what they're trying to address. I, I think that things that pastors and biblical counselors are, are trying to address and fix and can address and fix are a very different category of things than mental health professionals can address. And both of those are, are important tools and important resources, but don't mix them up. Mm, that's good. Like different categories. I always say like uh, New Jersey pizza is just a different category of pizza. You can't really compare it. <laughs> it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. Uh, so don't, don't try to go to New York to get New Jersey pizza. Yeah. Well, or New York, New Jersey style pizza. Yeah. Well, then don't uh, go to Chicago because you're not going to get it in Chicago. Yeah, it, it, you can't compare it to like your Pizza Hut, Papa John's, yeah, your Chicago style, whatever you got in Florida. Those are just different categories. Yeah, I, I see that in is, is a lot of truth to it. Like for me, I, as a pastor, I took, I took one biblical, I took one counseling course and it was in biblical counseling. And most of it was, yeah, addressing sin issues. So I think if you have sin issues in your life that you want to deal with in a biblical counseling setting, I think they could be great for you. I think marriage counseling, uh, you know, from, for, for a lot of the issues that I see in, in marriages, a good biblical counselor, especially if you're a Christian and you're, you know, you're, you want to center your relationship on God can be very helpful. And there's a lot of good biblical counselors out there, uh, family dynamics, um, you know, especially as Christians, if you want to, if, if there's family issues and, or parenting issues, that can be very helpful. I know a lot of good biblical counselors out there. So I, yeah, I'm, I agree with you. I don't want to, you know, throw that out, but then there's certain issues in your life and that might come up during biblical counseling. Hopefully a good biblical counselor will refer you to you need to, you need to see a therapist for this or, or maybe they also have a therapy, a, a psychology degree that then they can, they can help you with that as well. Yeah, and I think that's a great question, Matt, to ask. If you if you want to go biblical counseling first, if you want to talk to a pastor first, that may be the question that you ask on the phone of the person is, um, do you refer out? And that's going to tell you whether or not they are an individual who thinks that they can do it all on their own as a pastor or as a biblical counselor, or whether or not they understand that they have limits to, to what they're able to handle and what they're able to accomplish. And so that do you refer out question gets gets the answer as to whether or not you might end up in a situation where someone's going to be trying to solve a problem that they can't solve and you're going to end up wasting your time and maybe end up in a worse place than when you started yeah i mean that that's a great point i mean my philosophy for me as a as a 
pastoral counselor is I'll meet with you twice. And then after that, I'm referring you to somebody else um, because I, I just don't have the knowledge. I don't have the capacity, you know, and mine is more introductory probably to get to ask a lot of questions to get at maybe what the issue is so I can refer you in the right direction. Yeah. Well, and this uh, is safe too. But, you know, as you're talking, this is safer for the congregants as well, because many of the, many of the situations where pastors end up falling come because there is a codependent relationship that's building counseling situations the the person who is in counseling with the minister becomes codependent and in an enmeshed relationship of need with that pastor and so it's it's wise for pastors not to be doing extended counseling with with their congregation both because they're not equipped to do it and Practically, it's it's wise because it creates enmeshment and codependence. Yeah, that's a great point. It it's much better to to get counseling and therapy from someone outside of your your circle, your network. Um, for that reason, don't yeah. counsel your friends, your family, or friends of family, or family of friends. That's yeah. like the first rule of counseling: don't don't counsel anybody who you know because it's it it. It's not a healthy relationship. It's it, it's crossing it's crossing a barrier um, that's important in counseling because it that barrier enables you to be um, separated from the person emotionally uh, and also allows you to be protected. Yeah, that's good. What advice would you give somebody looking for like a therapist? Like you know? <laughs> this first one is going to be probably uncouth. Um, Find a Jewish counselor. Um, and I know in a lot of areas that, that may be difficult, but I'll tell you, uh, out of all the counselors and therapists that I've interacted with and, and gone to and used personally over the years, far and away, Jewish counselors have been the best for for two reasons. Oftentimes in counseling, what happens is, is the therapist will, will always leave it in your court. Well, what do you think about this? How do you feel? Uh, and so they will, they will guide you on your path, but they won't give input as to what they think. And in my experience, Jewish counselors typically are not that way. They have a very, they, they will let you guide, but they will step in at any moment and say, no, <laughs> you're wrong here. No, you need to do this. Like they are, they're not just going to sit there and allow you to make a journey into something that you might shouldn't be in. And so that I think is, is one reason. The other thing is too, you know, especially for those people who um, are concerned about going to a therapist or a psychologist who um, isn't biblical, you know, who is a total non-believer. For me, uh, somebody who practices Judaism, a, a Jewish individual is a great middle road because they understand faith. They understand God. Uh, they they have the context of the entirety of the Old Testament, and so they're going to they're going to understand when you talk about faith or the importance of faith, and you when you talk about God, they're going to that's going to resonate with them in a way that a a, a non believing counselor it would not they would not understand in the same way or, or maybe value as much. And they're also what I love about Jewish counselors is they understand faith and they get it and they can talk in that language, but they're not going to give you the evangelical Christian answers. Like their answers, when they answer in a faith-based way, they're not going to give you answers that, that you're used to hearing and they're not gonna frame them in the same way. And so that that to me <laughs> is, if, if you're able to find a Jewish counselor, find a Jewish counselor, to, to me they're best. Um, the other advice I guess I would say is find somebody who uh, has experience in, in the issue that you're having. There are marriage and family counselors. There are people who deal with suicidal ideation issues. There are people who deal with uh, family trauma. And so uh, communicate on the front end before you set up a meeting. This is my issue. Are, are you educated? Are you able to handle this? Or do you know somebody who is who is better at dealing with this concern or this problem? And try to find those people who are experienced and practice regularly in, in the situation of the problem that you have. If you don't have a choice, 
that's okay. But if you do have a choice to someone who, who is experienced and deals a lot in your area, and I guess the final thing that I'd say is, um, if it doesn't resonate with you, if that person, if you just don't mesh, find a different counselor. You know, there have been therapists over the years who I'm sure were great therapists, well-trained, educated. A lot of people I'm certain found them helpful. We didn't, we didn't mesh. I, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like there was a relationship there that, that, that was going to be productive or, or that I felt comfortable in. And so if that happens, find a different counselor. Uh, don't feel as though you have to stay with somebody if you feel like it's not helpful or you just, this is not, you just don't drive. If you just don't drive, find, find somebody, some, find somebody who does. It is important for you to build a relationship of trust and confidence with your counselor. Uh, and you're going to know that within one, two, three at most sessions. Yeah, that's good. I mean, and I wouldn't be afraid of, of this. I mean, I think some, some people are afraid, like, I, I don't need help. I, you know, I don't need someone to speak into my life like this. I got, I can, you know, the American way is pull ourselves up by our bootstraps or it's the church way. We don't, you don't need that. I mean, I think, um, it's okay. Right. We go to regular checkups for our, for our physical health. We do lots of things for our physical health. And so I think, you know, mental health needs to be treated the same because it affects, it affects all of your life. It affects your physical health. It affects how you operate. And also, uh, our health professionals, our healthcare system has identified that. So like in preparation for this, um, I was looking at my health plan and I could, it's a $40 copay for me, right? A lot of these places, if you didn't have health insurance, they charge up to $200, maybe even more per session. And a lot of uh, a lot of now a lot of health benefits provide really cheap uh, copays. Uh, so look into that. Uh, don't be afraid of the cost, um, and, and and do it. And um, yeah, it, and I tell you, I'm a better I'm a better pastor because of it. Um, I'm a better human being because of it. I'm a much better dad and better husband because of it. I didn't think I ever needed, you know, counseling. Um, I was forced there through a suicide, uh, but. Then once I was there, you know, we we go as a family. Oftentimes we go as a couple in moments, and, and I'll think we're doing great as a couple, and we'll go in and sit down in front of the therapist, and she'll say, what's going on? My wife will be like, all right, I have this list of three things that I have issues with with him. She's like, wait, what? <laughs> so, okay, all right, let's let's do this. But but it, it um, I, I think it's, it's important to recognize that everybody else around you may think he needs help or she needs help but you. And admitting that and, and opening up the conversation, I think, gives other people in your life permission to breathe and then also to get help as well. That's good. Um, so there's the therapy, therapy side, which I, I think we, we would find the most important. But there's other ways to kind of shift gears a little bit like that we can address our mental health. Um, um, so what are the, some of the ways that you, you address and help your mental health outside of therapy? Uh, I work out. <laughs> that is, uh, I, I, I attribute my mental health to therapy and to a garage gym. Uh, when, when things were probably when I was at my worst emotionally and, and mentally, uh, I, I, I bought a weight set and put it in the garage and I went to therapy for an hour a week and I went to the garage for an hour a day and it became, it became a sanctuary for me. It, it became an opportunity for me to be alone with myself, um, to pray, to think, to recenter, uh, for other people. You know, I, I know a guy who fly fishing is is his thing. Uh, for, for some people it's mowing the lawn for, for a period of time for me, it was cross stitching. Uh, I love, I love cross stitching. Let's just get it. I'm effeminate. Well, what can I say? Uh, cross stitching is not effeminate either. Uh, some, of the, some of the most manly men I know do needle art. Um, but if, you know, for everybody, it's, it's going to be something different, but for that, it was me that gave me safe space 
to just cut out the world and to focus and do something else. That was just something I wanted to do. It was it was life giving to me, um, and so I would channel all the stress into that. <laughs> you know, somebody once said, "You know, uh, wow, you're uh, you must work out." I said, "Well, yeah, I, I do. I work out when I'm stressed, and so uh, yeah, I work out." And they said, "Well, I'm worried about the amount of stress you have. <laughs> if, if, you, if you work out when you're stressed, I, I'm worried about the amount of stress that you're under. You might want to cut back on the stress a little bit because it's yeah. showing." Um, That's good. Yeah, I, I think you know it's it's nice to be able to to be able to also to do self care um, and to not feel as though my mental health fully relies on me finding a good therapist or my pastor being able to walk me through things. But there are also things that I can do as well to help. Now, some of the issues I've gone through, I, I can't help myself through those things. But me doing self care was even helpful in those situations in helping keep me centered and, and, and on a, a healthy path towards healing. That's good. Yeah. I, I think having something physical that you do, whether go for a walk, walk your dog, uh, work out mine as well as working out. I, I think something I always think about this way, something that I'm doing that I'm only thinking about the thing I'm doing, you know, uh, that really gets your, it just clears your mind. It clears your heart. It can actually open up creativity. It can open up ideas for the future, for different things in your life. Maybe that where you're stuck, it can, uh, there's been times where I just start like stuff comes to the forefront. Cause I've now allowed my mind to open up and my heart to open up. And now like I'm weeping <laughs> because I'm, stuff has come to the surface and I'm dealing with it. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's in the gym. It's in, it's with a barbell. It's, it's, you know, maybe doing a, I like, you know, maybe a long bike ride or that sort of thing. Um, but I think everyone needs something where they're doing some physical activity, whether it's gardening, it's, uh, it's, it's stitching. I, I like, I like to cross stitch too. It's been a while, but I, I feel like, a lot of muscle stitching, but uh, uh, it's, it's good. But you know, something where you're moving, you're using your hands, um, you're getting out, get outside. Um, those sorts of things are very, very helpful uh, for mental health. And if you're a Christian, if well, even if you're not a Christian, finding a way to like meditate. Actually, they're finding. Um, I'm hearing this more and more, like in CrossFit world, where where I kind of live for my fitness, is uh, is taking five to ten minutes a day to meditate, which I think is fascinating. As, as, a, as a way to help your your overall wholeness and your overall health. Do they actually do that in the in the CrossFit sessions, or is that just something you? No, do? it's like like so when they're teaching you like levels of fitness, like they, they'll talk about obviously working out and exercising. They'll talk about your diet. They'll talk about your mobility, stretching, um, your sleep, uh, sleeping well, and then they talk about meditating. Um, and so they, there's actually apps that now that, that that's out there that they recommend to download for meditating. And I found that fascinating. I was like, well, I know, yeah, my whole life, <laughs> you know, you've been taught to take, you know, you're having your devotional moment, have your prayer time each day. And so as a believer, like to me, like, how are you developing your spiritual life? How are you ingraining yourself in, in the word of God and in, in Christ and in, in medit literal meditation, like just meditating on, on Jesus. Um, and so kind of with that, like, um, I see a spiritual director. Uh, I think spiritual direction is kind of helps me grow in that area. Like, cause, cause I know for me growing up, you know, I just opened, I'd read the Psalm or the proverb for the day and pray for my day and then move on with my life. Uh, and, and maybe that's a good place to start, but like, I think a spiritual director can, can help you grow in how you pray, grow in how you meditate, um, on God and in the divine, um, help you even process some things. Maybe you're working through in therapy to, uh, to help you, you know, t flesh that out further in your life. I found, um, I, I found that to be a, a great rhythm for me in the area of mental health. Yeah. I think you've, you've set a great, um, 
you've set a great pattern, I think, for us to think about in self-care in, in doing something physical and, and doing something outside if possible and, and creating space. You know, as you were talking, I was just thinking, um, we, 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 are, we never disconnect anymore. Uh, it's, it's just all input and the opportunity to disconnect and, and to do something focused on yourself is, is important. I, I know for a lot of people that can be scary, you know, the, to be alone with their own thoughts is, is a, is a place that they, they don't want to go because it's dark. And, um, I understand that. And I, I think that that, <laughs> that, that's, that's a compelling reason for the need for professional, uh, conversations in order to help walk through that so that you don't have to, you don't have to forever fear, uh, being alone with yourself. Um, mm. You know, it's uh, so, good. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, like, yeah, that's so true. Like, we numb the pain. Uh, we want to numb the pain. So, whether whatever it is, fill in the blank. How we numb the pain. I, but I think um, maybe that I just thought as you were as you were talking, like, if you do go to a time of meditation, because you're right, in the meditative time is when those thoughts flood in for me. And I, I, I would submit maybe at, if that's the case for you and you just can't deal with it, that might be an issue you take, you need to take to a therapist. Like if you walk away from this and you go to meditate and all these thoughts flood, you have to like remove yourself from that moment. I would encourage you to go see a therapist about that issue and start to process that. Cause that's a real thing yeah. that you're just putting, you're just, you're just stuffing. Whenever, um, we, I had a, uh, I had an employee in my first pastorate, um, a young pastor. I, I, I was a young pastor and it was uh, one of our facilities guys. Um, he jumped off the roof of the building uh, of the church literally like 15 minutes before a church service. Um, suicide. That, uh, <laughs> that wrecked me both um, emotionally, but it also wrecked me psychologically, um, mentally. And I didn't realize it, I didn't realize it until years later that, um, that I was still experiencing trauma from, from that event. And uh, my, my therapist described it as this, and this made a lot of sense to me. And I, I hope, you know, that maybe some people will be able to relate to this, is there are moments in your life that are outside of your control. Uh, if you've seen um, Inside Out, the movie where there's like those core memories, you know, that Disney movie Inside Out where they have those, there are core moments in your life that are outside of your control that aren't positive core memories, but that are traumatic core memories. And what happens is your brain will get stuck on those memories. And uh, a filing cabinet was the illustration that was used for me. You know, whenever a filing cabinet, there's a file or something that, that's too big for the filing cabinet, it sticks out, you know, the drawer, the drawer will not functionally move in or out. So what happens is it gets in the way and your brain keeps trying to fix it and unstick that memory and can't. And so uh, for me in the suicide, the, the way that I knew that, that that was what was happening to me long-term was because every time I went back to that memory of a suicide, it was like I was there. You know, mm -hmm. I could feel the sun on my back. It was like 4K virtual reality, high definition. The smells, like if I go back to like my college graduation or I go back to a birth of a kid, like I can pull that memory out and I can look at it on a piece of paper and remember it without really any emotion unless I want to and then put that back in the memory cabinet of my brain and move on. But with the suicide, I, I couldn't do that. I was there. I was feeling the trauma and I couldn't control it every time I remembered it. And so uh, my therapist said, this happens to memories and, and we can fix this. And so uh, I, I'm a bit of an evangelist for this therapy, but it's called EMDR, four letters, E-M-D-R. People who are trained in it, um, it, it's it's it, it, magic isn't a great word, but it feels like magic because um, 
I went through the process of VMDR and essentially it's about, you know, you, you hold a couple of paddles and what, it, what it's supposed to do is supposed to trigger through the, the buzzing of your left and right hand. It's supposed to trigger the left and the right side of your brain to, to work together. And so the therapist essentially walks you through that memory again while you're holding these paddles. And I don't know how it works. Most therapists don't know how it works. Um, it's still a bit of a mystery, but but it, it works. And after going through the process of EMDR for, for one hour, um, I was able to get to a place where that memory is just like any other memory for me. Um, I can pull it out and I can think about it and look at it on paper, essentially in my mind, and put it back away. But there is no more... Um, there's no more I'm there. There's no more uncontrollable emotions. There's no more feelings of, of trauma, of pain or, or guilt. For some people, it's not a suicide. It's, um, it's, it's a, something somebody said to you. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a moment in time where, where somebody, you know, who you trusted and who you loved hurt you in some way. It doesn't have to be as, as serious as that, uh, but it's, it's helpful. And I would, I would encourage you if um, you have traumas in your life that are like that, uh, that you seek out some, you seek out a therapist and if possible, I would suggest somebody who, who is trained and capable of doing EMDR. EMDR can do in one hour or two hours or three hours, what sometimes takes a year or two to work through for people. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I would, I would say, you know, a sudden death in a family, uh, a major life change surgery, um, you know, yeah, somebody stabbing you in the back. Uh, lots of things can stir up trauma and, and, and kind of make us stuck. And so, yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it, mostly from you, but um, in your story. It's, it's one of the best kept secrets, I think, in, in therapy. People who, who need it know about it. Uh, but a lot of people could be helped by it and aren't aware that it exists. And that's the thing about professional therapy is there's tools out there that can really help you get through things uh, quickly. Like in one hour, in one session, you, you, were, you, were, you were kind of moved past that. One hour, five, five years of trauma. And, and th that EMDR session has been two years ago, three years ago for me. Um, yeah, it's – and I – I had forgotten what life should feel like. You know, I, I had forgotten what I should feel like. And I, I didn't realize all of the things that it was connected to. And part of the process of that is the brain. The brain actually kind of washes out all of the things that it's connected to. So in the process of just you talking and thinking about that, for whatever reason, those those left brain, right brain signals that, that are coming through the the buzzing, it's like a phone that you're holding when it, on silent when it buzzes. For whatever reason, the brain just starts like unloading all of these memories that have connected itself to that. And so like I was jumping around from college to being a kid to, to being an employee and, we're, and as you're doing that, by the time you get to the end, you realize all of these other things that you did not realize were problems that you were going through or that you were struggling with we're all connected to that one thing five years ago that was completely unrelated. But in your brain, those things were related. And so it was just amazing to walk out of that session and to, and to realize that um, not only had I, for the first time in years, been able to move on from that traumatic event, but all these other things that I didn't realize were connected to it were now able to fix themselves. Um, it was the best gift I ever gave myself. Certainly the best gift I ever gave my marriage, my family was to, was to say, Hey, I, I need help. Can you, I don't even know what I'm asking for, but, um, I recognize that I've gone through some things and I just need to make sure I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I realized I wasn't okay, but I couldn't see it, but I sensed as a pastor, that was kind of a, a pastor should be in therapy. Uh, and so I thought if I'm going to say those things, if I'm going to send people to therapy, I should make sure I'm okay. And, uh, and I wasn't, and I couldn't see it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. I think, yeah, you, you just, you said it, it helped you be a better husband, a better father, a better uh, pastor. And so why, I mean, I just, why wouldn't you engage in something that was going to, would help you do those things? Um, and for some, I guess the fear is for people to, to actually go back and deal with some of that stuff, right? Because for some, I think we've we've put those things down for so long. Um, we might even remember what the traumatic issue is. It may take some sessions to to unpack like what those traumatic issues yeah. might be. Yeah, I tell you, Matt, there was a <laughs> there was a tipping point for me. There was a tipping point where I there was a tipping point where I realized that the fear of what my trauma could cause became worse than the fear of dealing with the traumas themselves. When Mm -hmm. I began to think my kids, my kids could disown me at at some point. My kids could walk away. I, I could, I could have a relationship with my kids that other people have with their parents, which is not, you know, my wife, she could, she could say goodbye, you know, one day and, and walk away. And when I when I realized that I'm not invincible and there are a lot of things that are outside of my control, but there is one thing that is inside of my control, and that's making sure that I'm giving my wife and my family and my ministry the best person who I am. And so when I weighed the courage that it took to go to therapy versus the courage that it I mean, versus the risk of what I could lose if something was wrong inside of me and I didn't get it fixed. It was, um, <laughs> I'll take therapy for 200, Alex. If it means that I might not screw up my kids or my wife or my work. It's hmm. good. It's good. So yeah, do you address your mental health issues? Because um, <laughs> we all have them. We all have moments that, you know, Kevin described. We all have those traumatic things that uh, affect all of our lives and our family and our kids. And so if you've lived life long, you know, past five years and when, the age that you can remember things, you've had, you've experienced some trauma. So I think it's important that we deal with it. Um, yeah. And I know you, Kevin, you know, you have a, you have a faith, you have a good faith too. And a lot of this, I think, um, it, you have a grounding to have faith that, um, you, you can get through those moments too. Um, cause I, I think some people out there feel hopeless and like, you know, nothing's going to work. And, and so whether you have faith in God or faith in a, a therapist, I mean, I think, that's a big that's a big purpose and that that's probably where maybe the bible can can kind of supplement that is give you hope that you can find help and healing whatever you're going through um and i can think of people in my life that are just stuck because they don't have faith that they can get help through whatever their issue is you know and so i think that's where i think jesus and christianity our, our faith religion can can really help um, supplement that and, you know, maybe give people hope. And I would just hope that the church wouldn't be so jacked up that we would prevent people from actually going to a therapist like you did, um, to get that immediate help. No, and talking about it, you know, pastors need to be talking about it. You know, it takes, it takes courage to go to therapy. It also takes courage for pastors to say, um, I, I, I needed it and, uh, you may, you may as well. And, for a lot of pastors, we, we want to, for a lot of leaders, for a lot of, for a lot of men and women, we want to be, we want to be invincible. We want to project this idea of we've got it all together. We don't have any chinks in the armor because we're fearful that, um, (laughs) we're fearful that somebody will use that against us for harm. Um, that right there is enough to send you to therapy (laughs) is, is the idea that you need to be perfect so that nobody sees any of your weaknesses. Um, that's reason enough to end up in therapy. And a lot of people have gone to therapy. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking you're a lot of people have gone to therapy in the past and it's not been productive. It's not fixed what's gone on. And so they're reticent to, to try it again or, or to keep going. You got to keep, you got to keep trying. You've got to keep um, working on it. There, there, there are people who are 
there, there are people who have been in more dire straits than you are who have found help and healing and hope and um, don't give up. You, you can be that story as well unless you stop. Um, and I think your, your point about faith is important is that there is a lot of resonance between, uh, between the two and in that, especially people of faith understand what it is like to live a story that seems bleak and impossible and for it to be turned around. I mean, the story of Jesus, the story we celebrate, the gospel is the story of going from death, hopelessness, impossibility to resurrection, uh, to, to change, to transformation, to new life. Uh, and so, you know, if we say that out of one side of our mouth and, and believe that when it comes to the spiritual realm, then I think that we also should understand that it, it should, we should apply that as well to the physical realm. You're, you're not hopeless. There, there's no situation um, in, inside of you, in your life, in your head, that is that is impossible. Uh, it's not impossible for you. It's not impossible for doctors. It's not impossible for God. God oftentimes does miracles through I, my EMDR was a miracle. <laughs> it was a miracle in my life. And, and I, God wrought that miracle, but the hands through which he wrought that miracle through was a, an amazing Jewish counselor a couple of miles down the road from here. Amen. Yeah. I mean, Jesus says, right, that he came to give us life and life to the fullest. And I think we would both say that he uses things that man has come up with that by his design, he designed us to come up with the EMDR. He designed us to come up with, you know, brain surgery. Uh, he created us to do that. And so for those that are maybe like Jesus does, you know, we, we only need Jesus. Well, Jesus created a system, a world where we, he wants us to find life to the fullest through these things. It, it's such a beautiful thing. And I, and I think what I've noticed in my own life, and I've noticed even in you watching you go through, I mean, especially that, uh, experience um, is we become more of who God created us to be. And when we're actually who we're created to be, we live a more full life, a more healthy life, uh, a, a life that we just feel happier and more joy filled. I know for me, when I've gone to therapy and I'm, I'm due to get back into it. Um, but in the different times that I've entered into therapy, like I find out more about who God created the, me, me to be or where I've allowed circumstances to to stop me from being who I am. Um, and so I think that's helped me uh, a lot, just be live life to the fullest. Um, one thing I was thinking, uh, kind of close the loop on the spiritual director, like uh, thought is one of the reasons why I, I know I need therapy again now is because talking with somebody about my life in a spiritual realm, she said to me and that you just don't seem yourself, you know? And then I had to really wrestle with that. Like, why am I not myself? And then I realized, Oh, because of these things and I I really need to deal with those things. And so I think a part of mental health is having someone that's speaking into your life like that, uh, whether it's a spiritual director uh, that you hire or it's friends that you speak like realness to that you, I know for me how, having Kevin in my life and, and some other guys, it really helps my mental health. Like if I didn't have somebody just to text away or phone call away, um, it, it, it would ruin me. So I think, uh, those things help, help us, um, you know, it, that all plays into it. So, um, you know, I, I, that was one of the first counseling sessions I ever had was somebody was like, you need someone that is regularly speaking in your life that you're open and honest with. And so I was like, all right. And, and, and they were right. Like, it's really, it's really helped me. So I'd encourage that as well. Yeah, that's a good word, man. Um, we're all in this together. And if you are feeling, if you're feeling alone, uh, reach, reach out to somebody for help. If, if you're not ready yet to, to talk to a therapist or, or to make that call, Ask, ask somebody for help, um, a friend, a parent, a, a pastor, somebody at church, a, a group leader. If that person doesn't take you seriously, 
keep going until somebody takes you seriously. It's good. Don't go. Don't go it alone. Yeah, this is this is too important uh, to ignore. Um, and so I, I you know, and you're worth too won't. much. You're you're worth yeah. too much to ignore it. And I know that a lot of people can't can't see that right now, or or want to believe it, but are having a hard time. You are worth far too much to. <laughs> to to be doing anything other than be living a peaceful and hope-filled and joyful life. And there are moments where I don't feel those three things, peaceful, hope-filled, or, or joy-filled. Um, and it's in those moments where I recognize that I, I need I need somebody from the outside to help. Um, you, you have far too much value and far too much, far, far too much value uh, to, to, be, to be struggling and living where you are. There are tools and there are people who can help. Pastors and therapists. We we work hand in hand in, in different areas of the field, but we're all in we're all in care. Amen. I think that's a good good place to wrap this up. So thank you, Kevin, for sharing your story. It, it's uh thanks for being vulnerable. And uh yeah. Go get some help. <laughs> I, I, I'm headed to the therapist now. 